Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The day Alabama fans probably hoped would never come is here. A day that will give fans at other SEC teams maybe a little more hope, but the greatest of all time, Nick Saban, has retired. The news came on Wednesday and came as something of a shock. We all knew this was a possibility for Nick Saban at his age, but I certainly didn't think it was was coming at this point. And I think a lot of folks in Alabama were caught by surprise at Saban's announcement Wednesday. Welcome into SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams. John, you wrote a a great column in the Knoxville News Sentinel in the aftermath of Saban's announcement about how folks uh, in Tennessee, Vols fans, ought to be popping champagne at the news that Saban is retiring. And that might be true uh, of fan bases throughout the South, but in Alabama, it was a day of mourning. I'm sure you saw some of the scenes in Tuscaloosa it had like it was almost like they'd lost their coach, not just on the sideline, but period. He, he's still alive, folks. He's he's just retiring. But I think that uh, signifies just the way Alabama fans feel about Nick Saban and and the performance that he did. Of course, winning six national championships at Alabama, seven overall. Uh, your thoughts on the hole he leaves at Alabama and uh, what this means for college football at large. Yeah, first of all, it made me feel pretty old, and I am old, um, I, because I can remember being in Baton Rouge and and when out when Bear Bryant retired, and writing a column about that, it had the same kind of implications because we know in sports, uh, rarely do you extend dynasties or rarely do you match a legendary coach. Doesn't mean you can't have success. Doesn't mean you can't win a championship, but thinking you can win six national championships as Saban did at Alabama, one more at LSU, thinking you can win that many national championships with your next hire, the odds against it are astronomical. Uh, it was the same way with Bear Bryant, each one, uh, six national titles. I don't know, I guess, has any other school, I can't think of one, uh, hired hired two coaches of that caliber who had that kind of long running success. Just, it just doesn't. happen. so I can understand the emotions everywhere. And I think it's a, I think fans are around the sec, particularly in Tennessee and Auburn, which had to play Saban every year. Uh, I think it's a sense of relief. And I think, I think they just kind of begin to, there was always that hope that he's got to retire at some point, but they were probably beginning to think, well, maybe he won't. Maybe maybe he'll just keep coaching until he's 85 or, or even longer. Uh, but Alabama fans, certainly understandable, uh, their reaction. Uh, you're right. You put it well. A day they hoped would never come, and it, it finally came. 
I was on the, the Paul Feinbaum show last week, John, and I think Paul has been asking about all of his guests for maybe two months now. Do you think Saban's going to retire? Uh, and if, so, of course, I, I was asked, do I think Saban's going to retire? And, I, you know, as I told, told Paul at the time, I said, I really have no idea. And I said, at that moment, I think there's probably only two or three people that know the answer to that question. What I did say, though, and I, I felt pretty strongly about, I said, I don't know when Saban's going to retire. But I said, I think whenever it comes, it will come somewhat suddenly at the end of a season. There will be none of this Coach K farewell tour where it's like this <laughs> year long of pomp and circumstance. He's out there, you know, getting bouquets of flowers and uh, honoration, honorings at, uh, you know, opposing venues. I, I just, I never thought Saban would go out that way, the, uh, you know, the circus tour in the final season. So I'll admit that this sort of surprises me that it's coming now. I thought he, you know, probably had a few seasons left in him, but the way it happened that it just comes as an announcement uh, very quickly at the end of the season, there's no farewell tour. There's no one last hurrah. That part of it didn't surprise me. I always thought it would, it would go down in that manner where it's just a season ends, whether he wins the national championship or not. I didn't necessarily think his final season would have to be a national championship year. Uh, but I thought, you know, season's going to end and and the announcement's going to come. And, and that's sort of what's happened here, even though I thought this day might be, you know, a few years down the road still. Oh, you're right. Uh, probably less than any coach uh, pomp and circumstance uh, never came to his mind. In fact, it would make him cringe. The very words would. Um, what Nick Saban likes doing is coaching football. I mean, really coaching it. Uh, he, I think he loves, uh, and this is, comes from just things he said and also from what other coaches who work for him have told me. I mean, he loves coaching football. He loves working with the defensive back. That was his position uh, of expertise when he was an assistant coach. Uh, he likes working them. He likes pointing out little things that can help them in their craft, and he was very good at that. Uh, so... Yeah, all the other stuff, the the adulation and uh, (laughs) the awards and even the championships, I mean, those were part, the championships were sort of uh, what came along with it. It it just, okay, here's a trophy, Nick. But I, I, I still can remember very vividly when he won his first national championship. That was at LSU, I guess, the 2003 season. And I remember the the next day press conference. They always have those second day press conferences in the morning. And he was uh, he just seemed uncomfortable with that. And, and why he seemed uncomfortable, I think, was he had already moved on. His job was done with this team, and accepting a trophy was okay. Thank you very much. But my job is to build a team, and that's what I like doing the most. And I've got to start building another team. And this championship trophy might be might impede that that building job because what he was talking about, and of course he acknowledged what the team did and complimented the team, but but what he what he acknowledged was how can't you basically paraphrasing you can't rest on your laurels i mean this could be 
you know, we can't be thinking about a championship. We, we started the, the next season had already started for him. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been 24 hours since his team clinched a championship and he had already moved on, started thinking about the team to come. And that's just how he worked. And that that's what was important to him. Uh, and then the championships uh, came along with it and he was glad to receive the trophies. But that wasn't the main reason he did what he did. We're going to get into some potential candidates uh, for Alabama here in a moment. But, uh, John, just as I think back over Saban's career, you know, I, I didn't have a close personal relationship with him. You get to know some of these coaches better than others. My relationship with Saban was asking him questions and press conferences and teleconferences and that sort of thing. But there were a couple things that I guess when I think back on his career that um, I guess sort of sum up Nick Saban to me or, or that kind of jump out to me. And I'm, I'm going to come to you next with this. Um, but for me, one is a quote and another is is sort of a what I thought was one of the defining moments of his tenure. The, the quote that just I always thought resonated from Saban is, um, you know, he once said, mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. And I thought that 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 <laughs> quote really sums up Nick Saban's mentality, right? And it's so true. Mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. And Nick Saban <laughs> had no stomach for mediocrity. He wanted to fill his program with high achievers uh, who would share in his vision, in his mission um, to win to win championship. And I think he did you know, a better job of that than anyone recruiting talent and recruiting coaching talent um, were two of the hallmarks uh, of his tenure. And he did that by going and getting high achievers and not stomaching mediocrity. So that one is a quote. Another is a moment, um, you know, of, of Saban's national championships. I think maybe the one that stands out to me was the 2017 team, the 2018 game where Alabama is losing by a couple of scores at halftime. Jalen Hurts was not playing well in the first half of that game against Georgia. And Saban did something a lot of coaches wouldn't do, most coaches wouldn't do. He changes quarterbacks at halftime, goes from Jalen Hurts to Tua, and, and Tua leads the second half comeback, of course, has the the famous pa- touchdown pass, the game-winning touchdown. Um, I, I thought it really kind of summed up Saban's career in two ways. One, you know, for as good of a coach as he was and as good as he is at developing talent, I really think the shining star of Nick Saban is how well he recruited talent. And that showed it in that moment. Not only did he have one great quarterback, he had two great quarterbacks on that team that he could make that switch. He recruited such great talent. And, and two, I thought it showed his willingness to adapt. You know, so many times we see these coaches get stuck in their ways and they won't adapt. They won't ever change. Saban changed multiple times. He changed within that game, going from Jalen Hurts to Tua, you know, the most important game of the season, the national championship game. It paid off. Uh, they won the game. And I, I thought that was, uh, you know, one of uh, Nick Saban's greatest coaching moments, really. Yeah, it really was. And, and it does help define him. I, I remember t- at halftime talking to one of my best friends on the phone, and we were saying, if Saban wants to, if Alabama's going to win this game, Saban has to make a quarterback change. This isn't working. They've got they've got Jalen Hurt uh, Hurts uh, defended. Uh, 
it's just not going to work. And lo and behold, that's what he did. That's why he's Nick Saban. Um, he can make those tough decisions. Um, his you, the the quote about the mediocrity. Um, I've talked to a couple of coaches who worked with him, worked for him as assistant coaches. One of the things they they mentioned was downtime. Hmm. Ugly words, probably, uh, to Nick Saban. Uh, I think most coaches, most programs, all the coaches worked long hours. Uh, that just is a common theme throughout the profession. Coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches, even peripheral staff members worked long hours. But there would be a time in the summer, this this window, where there was some downtime. I don't think that exists anymore because of the transfer portal and NIL. But even when it did exist, it didn't exist within Nick Saban's program. Uh, I think it was probably hard on families uh, and maybe hard on the coaches too. But that was just part of the thing with working for Nick Saban. And I think some of the coaches who worked for him looked at him, you want Nick Saban on your resume. So go in, put in the time, look at it as a short-term venture. Uh, you get Nick Saban's name on your resume, and then you move on to perhaps a, a better job, not perhaps a better coaching job, but for all concerned, the uh, uh, happiness of the family unit, a better job. So uh, you're right about uh, he didn't mediocrity. It wasn't just he uh, would would have no interest in being around mediocre people. He often he also uh, the work ethic had to be there. That just had to be a given. And I think you knew that when you signed on. And I think it was true with players. I remember talking to uh, one of Alabama's defensive linemen at uh, in media SEC media days once, and he I was asking, do you help recruit? future Alabama players, uh, uh, you know, veteran players are involved in that. The players visit, I come on their official visit. And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, what do you tell them? I tell them if you're coming here to party, you're coming to college, you have a good time. This isn't the place for you. Hmm. Uh, you you've got, this place is different. You got to think of it as a business and you're going to, you're going to have to come in with that approach and and when you think about that, the beauty of that is that you attract a certain kind of player when you send that message. And particularly the message has more impact, I think, when coming from another player. If you send that message, yeah, if you're not interested in being the best personally and being on the best team, uh, this just isn't just isn't the place for you. So you attract the kind of players it takes to win a championship, not just talent wise, but mindset wise. I'm going to throw some candidates at you here in a moment, John, but first I'm just wondering if you think this job will in any way be hard to fill. And, and I'll unpack that here because when you look at just the attributes of coaching Alabama, I mean, blue blood program, they're not the richest of the rich in terms of resources, but they got pretty good resources. They're not in the absolute best recruiting base in, in the world. Um, you might say that's that could be Georgia. Um, 
their proximity to Atlanta, all the talent, uh, in-state talent that Georgia has, but it's still pretty fertile uh, recruiting terrain in, in Alabama. So, I mean, they'll pay you well. All the, there are, there's a lot of things to like as the next coach at Alabama. And I tend to think Alabama won't have to go very far down its wish list before it finds a coach with a big enough ego to say yes and think that they can come in the wake of, of Nick Saban. But I, you do wonder, like, I mean, Lane Kiffin, I asked him about just the hypothetical idea of a coach coming after Nick Saban about a year and a half ago. And Lane Kiffin said, quote, that would be the dumbest follow ever. And ironically, I think Lane would be someone who would relish the opportunity, but I do think his quote stands right. Like, and, and Lane went on to say, like, no matter what you do, you won't be Nick Saban. Uh, you could win a national championship. Well, great. You got to win five more at Alabama to be Nick Saban, right? And so, do you think Alabama is going to have difficulty filling this position? Do you think a coach would be stupid to come in the wake of of Nick Saban? I realize those are two different questions, but w- what do you think about that? I think you will have a problem hiring a great coach. Uh, I Kiffin's uh, quote should resonate with anybody, and I, I've heard this from other coaches and other in, in other sports. Uh, you don't want to be the coach that follows a legend. You want to be the coach that follows the coach who followed followed the legend. That makes so much sense. I go back to uh, G, um, John Wooden. Uh, Pat Summit, Adolph Rupp, um, I guess most recently, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, you go back to Bobby Knight, uh, Bear Bryant. I, I remember Ray Perkins, uh, he was a pretty good coach and he later coached the Tampa Bay Bucks and he, he followed Bear Bryant. He was, uh, he played for Bryant. He was a star player, wide receiver, great player, played in the NFL, uh, hard nosed, tough guy like Bear Bryant. And I guess he had a healthy enough ego. He thought he could do the job, but it didn't work out for him. It wasn't working out. You have so much pressure now as a coach and you're well paid for that pressure. So I don't sympathize, but this would be added pressure. I think it will be challenging and you almost have to ask yourself if you're an Alabama fan and you have a uh, you have a conversation with yourself. I think uh, the uh, smarter the smarter voice in your head needs to say, "Hey, you're not going to get a Nick Saban. Well, let's just try and get a co- a good coach who can be successful." And Alabama will continue to contend for the playoffs and win a championship every now and then. But if you're thinking, now we got to get the next Nick Saban. Well, you got the next Bear Bryant. And I I don't like the idea of the odds of getting three guys. I think the odds are against getting two guys. Not going to happen, I don't think, with three guys. Yeah, Florida did it with Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, but even they only combined to win three national championships only, right, <laughs> at Florida. <laughs> uh, but they, they went through some bad coaches in between and, and are dealing with still the aftermath of Urban now. Nobody, uh, they can't find their next 
Spurrier. So I think that kind of goes to your point. It took them a while to find their second Spurrier, and it's taken them even longer, I think, to uh, find their third. Let's get into some candidates, John. We're going to play Love It, Like It, or Nah, Don't Like It as I pitch these candidates at you. Some of these, I think, are will be more reasonable than others. Let's start off with maybe the most reasonable. And uh, a, a caveat here, we are recording this on a Thursday morning. We realize that the news is ever-changing in coaching searches. So as you listen to this, bear with us. But let's start with Dan Lanning at Oregon, the Wonderkin, the... Uh, Handsome man who was on the national championship set of ESPN at halftime Monday night. The media love him. He's the darling. Mr. Fourth Down Analytics. Dan Lanning, the former Nick Saban graduate assistant, was Kirby Smart's defensive coordinator. He's got 22 wins in two seasons at Oregon. Like I said, he might be the hottest name in the early goings of this coaching search. Love it? Like it? Don't like it. Well, I'll take my own advice and accept the fact you're not going to have another Nick Saban or another uh, Bear Bryant. So he's, I would say I love it. It's probably, he's probably the first name that came to my mind. Well, second, Uh, but he, I just like what he's, I like what he's done in Oregon. I like what he did at uh, Georgia. I like the fact that he has SEC experience. He know, he would know what he's getting into at least from an SEC perspective. He knows he's going to be butting heads with Kirby Smart and all the other good coaches in this league. So I think he could could do it, but and I also really like his uh his pep his pep talk. I thought that was a classic against uh against Colorado and Dion. Uh they're playing for clicks, we're playing for wins. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that that's one of the the top names I would have. I'll go with sort of like it, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm grading against the curve here, as you are, knowing I don't expect another Nick Saban to walk through that door, but I, I sort of like it. I like a couple other names that I'm going to get to better later. The, the thing that worries me with Lanning is 37 years old, and I don't want to discount someone because their age, because Lanning and I are basically the same age, and I think I'm just wonderful, right? Fully qualified <laughs> to host this podcast, you're, at least. You're doing a great job, Blake. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, two years at Oregon, I'd probably feel a little more comfortable. He'd been there a little bit longer. Um, you know, he's a little short on big game victories. He lost both games against Washington this past year, so I don't dislike it. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's you know, got a good personality that would resonate. He's been in the SEC. Certainly don't hate it, but I'll, I'll go down as sort of like it. The next one, John, a guy that I stumped for, for Texas A&M. Texas A&M uh, probably couldn't get him because his team was still in the national championship hunt at that time. And unless you're Brian Kelly, it's hard to hire coaches who are national championship hunts uh, at the time of your vacancy. Uh, Washington's Kalen DeBoer. This is a guy who's won everywhere he's been from NAIA to Fresno State to now he's got 25 wins in two seasons at Washington. Washington was four and eight the year before he got there. It's been a quick turnaround. He's done it with good teams, but not like national championship level talent, most would say, especially in the recruiting rankings. Uh, But he engineered such a quick turnaround. 
he's three and zero against Oregon and Dan Lanning. He's two and zero against Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. He can win big games. He just didn't beat Michigan. Do you love it, like it, or nah? You don't see it. Um, I'm somewhere. Maybe I'll create another category. I'm somewhere between like it and don't like it. I mean, I you sort of like really it. good. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I really like what he's done at Washington. The only problem I would have with him is he hasn't been in the SEC. And I just think that matters somewhat. Not not for everybody, but I just think in his case, I wonder about his background. Um, yeah, I, I like the fact that he's won big games. I really do like that. I like um his offense, uh, I like what he's uh, – he plays an exciting brand of football. His teams do. He goes for it. Um, so, yeah, and I really like I, – I, I really like to go with track records. And when you – in some ways it doesn't matter where you've been because the competition was probably equal. I mean, you can be in the worst conference in America and probably the teams and the programs within that conference – or compatible, comparable rather, and you think similar resources, similar recruiting levels, and you win, you distinguish yourself in that. So that I really like. The reservation I would have about him would be not enough, no SEC experience. And another thing might be the attention he would attract. It, you there's a lot of being a head coach at any major college, a certain degree of media attention, fan attention that comes with the job, but it's nothing like in the sec, nothing like it. And I don't know how comfortable he would be with that. Maybe he would be, but I just don't know. Yeah. We're going to, we're having a kind of a role reversal here with landing and DeBoer because you love landing. I sort of liked it. You sort of like DeBoer, but not as much as landing. I really like DeBoer for this job. I, I agree with you that SEC experience is nice, but I see it as kind of a bonus in this case. He doesn't have it. Nick Saban didn't have it before he went to LSU. Urban Meyer didn't have it before he went to Florida. So there are some examples of great coaches that have, have emerged in this conference without experience there before. We can also cite coaches who didn't have experience in this conference and fizzled. Um, but it's not a deal breaker for me. He seems unflappable for the most part. And and I agree this would be a much bigger spotlight than Washington, but he, he does seem to have the right demeanor for the job. I love that he's a career winner. He's been doing it a while. He's, he's, he's 49. He wins the big games. Yeah, he didn't beat Michigan, but the fact that he was even on that stage, I think is a testament to his coaching ability. The bigger question I have maybe would be his recruiting. He's been a good recruiter at Washington, not an elite recruiter. I think part of that speaks to Washington's place in the recruiting circles. Um, so I don't know that he would sign number one or number two ranked classes at Alabama. But I also think, boy, he's going to have more talent in a lot of years than he had at Washington. Now, he developed some really good players. I'm not trying to take that away from Washington. But overall, Alabama, I think, can expect to have a, a higher degree of talent than Washington usually has. So. Um, and, and we know he can coach up what he does have. So, but I, I, my one reservation would be, could he recruit at the level you need to day after day in the sec? But I, I really like this one. He's one of uh, my favorite names on the list for the job. 
Uh, another one that you'll see attached to this, don't know if Greg Byrne, the athletic director, fairly buttoned up man, would go for it, but I'm, it makes sense to see the name attached to the job. Lane Kiffin, who I mentioned I spoke to about this job a year and a half ago, worked for Nick Saban as his offensive coordinator, expresses respect and, and love for his time at Alabama at any opportunity. What do you think? Not necessarily if Greg Byrne would hire Kiffin, John, but the idea of Kiffin at Alabama, you love it, like it, nah, don't like it. I like it. I think uh, the the issue would be, uh, as you pointed out, would Greg Byrne, I think a lot of ADs are scared of Lane Kiffin. But as Definitely. a coach, as a coach, he he can get it done. He's got SEC experience. He's got Alabama experience. But you know Lane, and whereas he's a prominent voice on on Twitter, and he can be really good at one-on-one situations, he's not a press conference kind of guy. He's not a media group kind of guy. Uh, he doesn't like being surrounded by 40 reporters after a practice. Uh, he's not comfortable in that situation, and that's why I think he would be – that's probably part of the reason he said what he said about the Alabama job, how it would be stupid to take it. However, the coach in him might say, well, I'll just have to suck it up because I'll have – I can get more talent there than I can anywhere I've been. And I can – you you give me enough talent, and he, we know how well he works the portal, all that things combined. And I think it helps. He's the opposite of Saban in personality in many ways. So I think that helps. You don't want to try somebody with similar personality because you're not going to be Saban. So you don't want to be a watered down version of Saban. So it'd be better to be from a completely different place. And I think, I think Lane Kiffin would, I, Maybe I like it a lot. Okay, uh, the more I'll put I think you down for really like it. Really uh, like it. Yeah. Really I think like he it. would I just think he would win there, win a lot of games. I'm going to go with sort of like it on this one. Uh, I worry about the fit with Kiffin. It's interesting. I wasn't so much worried about the fit with Kalen DeBoer, a guy who's never coached in the SEC. Kiffin's spent a good chunk of his career in the SEC. But I worry a little bit about the – I mean, when Lane's going for fourth down from his own 37-yard line, how are Alabama fans going to react to that? I, I see them beating him silly with their pom-poms when Lane's going for fourth down his own territory. And just his demeanor, it, it is really a 180 from what they've had. Now, sometimes you want a 180. You know, when your last coach stunk and you fired him, you want the next coach to be anything but what the last coach was. And no one's going to be Saban. I just wonder if Lane is too far away from Saban um, to really work at Bama. Uh, I, I wonder how he'd get along with the administration. Once the novelty of it wears off, how are the fans going to like the Lane Kiffin experience? I think Lane's a perfect fit for Ole Miss. I think he's a great coach. I think sometimes the Twitter persona hides the fact a little bit of just how smart of a coach he is. And I think he could move on someday to a bigger job than Ole Miss, even though I think he can get Ole Miss to the playoff uh, right where he's at. 
but I just, I don't really love the fit and the idea of Kiffin coming in after Saban. So I'm going to say sort of like it. Don't hate it because I think he's a good coach. Uh, I once questioned whether he could win the big games, but then he beat LSU and Penn State this year. It's not the big game, but those were two pretty big wins for Ole Miss and getting to 11 wins this year. Um, so I, I don't so much question that anymore, but yeah, put me down for sort of like it on Kiffin. How about uh, another former Saban offensive coordinator, John, Steve Sarkeesian, who I thought was a really good hire for Texas. He's done a very good job there. I don't think Texas is going anywhere as long as Sarkeesian is there, even as they come into the SEC. What's your thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian for Alabama? How would you label that one? Um, I sort of like it. I just don't think he would take it. Um, He's a great offensive coach, as as uh, Lane Kiffin is. He's good with he's good with quarterbacks, and he's he's run he's run a prominent programs. I mean, he's look where he's been. He's been the head coach at Washington, which is a pretty good program. He's been at Southern California, which is a historically great program. He's been at Texas, which is a historically great pro- program. Uh, and we talked about Alabama being, you know, it's a really good place to recruit. But there's no better place to recruit than Texas. And uh, the resources he has is Texas. Yeah, you got great resources at Alabama, too. But in Texas, man, that oil money, that oil money really talks. And and I just think, so I think that would be a, would I hire him if he'd take the job? Probably because I think it would be hard to get a guy with now that he's made a playoff. If it were if it were Sarkeesian before this past season, I wouldn't even think about him because I really had questions about him. I wasn't a believer. And I don't think winning the Big 12 equates to winning the SEC. So still a little doubt there for me, but Again, we're grading on the curve here, and I don't, I don't know, you know, all these names you throw out there. If they're willing to take the job, I might say, eh, I don't know about them, but I might have to circle back to them when some others have cut turned me down. Yeah, I, I, I get it. We we haven't got to one that neither of us just really, really don't like yet. Um, I'm maybe a little higher on this one than you are, although I have the same thoughts if, as you do about Sarkeesian leaving Texas. I don't. I don't know why he would do it. I don't see it happening. He's at, uh, you know, a great program, but he didn't have to follow a legend at Texas. He didn't come right after Mac Brown. He's got that program humming. He's recruiting really well there. Uh, Texas can, he, he can win a national championship right where he's at. He doesn't need to leave and he doesn't have the pressure of replacing Saban. So I haven't, I don't know why Sarkeesian would leave unless ego gets in the way, but let's say he wants to leave. I really like it. This is the one, spoiler alert, I'm, I'm not going to label any others this high. I, this one and Kalen DeBoer are the two that I really like if Texas, or excuse me, if Alabama could get either Sarkeesian's one at multiple places. Um, he's been with Saban. He can recruit. He's recruiting really well at Texas. I think he would continue to recruit really well at uh, Alabama. I mean, the only thing I think missing from the resume at this point for Sarkeesian is a playoff victory and it's still early days for him 
as a coach in the playoff era, I think that playoff victory is going to come, whether it be at Texas or somewhere else. So if he would say yes, which I don't think he would, I would really like it for Alabama. All right. We're about halfway through our list here. John, we'll get into some fringe names in a moment, but I feel like a couple of final names uh, to get to that I think are realistically attached to this job. One of them is Mike Norvell, Florida State. It's hard to believe Mike Norvell is just 42 years old. (laughs) Seems like he should be approaching 50 with as long as he's been a head coach. He's, He's got a um, you know, a wealth of head coaching experience. It took him a while to get going at Florida State, but then, I mean, he he really broke through this year with the 13-0 and season before the, uh, really the whole roster defected before the bowl game, but he was a successful coach at Memphis before going to Florida State. He really has that program going right now. He's, he's doing the transfer portal thing well. He's recruiting pretty well. Um, doesn't have experience in the SEC, but he's got experience in that SEC footprint. So your assessment of Mike Norvell for Alabama. Yeah, I I really like that possibility because I like so much what he's done with Florida State. Agreed, it took him a while. Florida State has always been a place where you can, well, ever since Bobby Bowden turned it into a national power, it's been a place where you could get good good players. I love the way he's worked the portal. Uh, offensive expertise, he gets high marks there. Um, can only have so many big games if you're playing in the ACC. But I go back to that LSU game in the season opener, and he had that team really well prepared. That was a, a really big game. Uh, LSU didn't turn out to be as good as I thought it would. I thought it was a championship contender. And uh, Florida State really handled uh, LSU. I like Norvell in game, and I don't. I don't say that about a lot of coaches. No. Uh, yeah, you think most coaches are dunces once they get to the sideline, if yeah, not before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm being pretty complimentary of all your the names you're throwing out. You you have to admit that. So, yeah. And I here's the thing with Norvell. Yeah, he can stay at Florida State and he can take his team to the playoffs. Now he got a 12 team playoff. He doesn't get, have to worry about being left out. But uh, he, you know, it's he's still in the ACC. You, you just, you know, this is a chance. This is the big, it's still a bigger stage for him. It's not like going from Texas to Alabama. As good as Florida State has been at times. It's if it weren't in the ACC, that wouldn't be an issue. But it is in the ACC, so I kind of think he might take that job. Yeah, I think he's a name that maybe. Yeah, I, I think that he he wouldn't be the only one to take the job that we've gotten to here. But I think he would take it if Alabama offers. I like it. I'll, I'll stop shy of the really like it label that I put on DeBoer and Sarkeesian. But I like this one. Good recruiter good coach. He's got his program trending up. You're right. It's tougher to do it in the SEC than it is in the ACC and certainly than it was at Memphis. Uh, But I don't, I don't see any, you know, glaring flaws with Norvell or have any burning questions that make me think it couldn't work. Um, So I like this one. Yeah. All right. Next one, John, Uh, a couple years ago, 
if we would have asked who's the man to replace Nick Saban, I think Dabo Sweeney would have been the first name uh, on the list for most people. Well, the shine's a little bit off Dabo now. It seems to have struggled to adjust to the transfer era, to the NIL era. But still, this is someone who, other than Nick Saban, you look back over the last decade of college football, you know, if, if not for Dick Sa- Nick Saban, it was Dabo Sweeney's world. The shine's off a little bit. Could he reboot and uh, be the coach that he once was at Clemson? for Alabama if uh, Alabama were to go in that direction? Love it, like it, or not? I really don't like that. I give him all the credit in the world with what he, the job he's done at Clemson. Uh, he's built a great program there, and I know he's tailed off some, but it's still a good program. Um, I just I think he's a little too sensitive for that Alabama job. Uh, the scrutiny. Um uh, I think he likes being appreciated. Mm-hmm. And you go to a place like Clemson, which has just been pretty good before he arrived. It's just a pretty good program. It won a national championship way back in, in 81 under Danny Ford. Uh, but overall, it doesn't, it's not what you would consider elite program pre-Dabo. And he's really built, he's really built his own program there. I mean, this is really his program his culture, uh, and I think it's worked for him very well. And I think it will continue to work for him just because it's he's tailed off some. I still think he can be successful. But his problem, I, another thing I don't like about Dabo, the way he didn't embrace the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. He, In fact, he was very vocal about not liking it. Well, Nick Saban was very vocal a lot of times about what he doesn't like. But then as soon as he makes that public statement, he starts thinking, okay, how can I make this work for me? He might not like it, but that has nothing to do with doing his job. Okay, here's what, here's the hand I've been dealt. Here's what I have to do now. Now that, that would bother me about Dabba. I'm with you. We are in, in lockstep on this one. I don't like Dabo for Alabama. Uh, I think he's been great for Clemson, everything you just said. But I think Dabo shines at what he calls little old Clemson. I think that's the role Dabo <laughs> likes to be in is uh-huh. is uh, the guy who built and has Clemson. I don't know if I say, yeah, I will say punching above its weight. Clemson is not a bad program. Clemson should have good football seasons. But for him to win two national championships – in a three-year span, beating Alabama both times, that's punching above its weight for Clemson. I think that's the role Dab for Dabo at again at little old Clemson. I, I don't I don't know how he he would do as you said with the pressure and the scrutiny of Alabama. He's got a pretty cozy press corps there at, at Clemson. Now the press corps around Saban got pretty cozy at Alabama, but that's because he won all the time, right? It, it could turn on a dime, I think, at Alabama, as you well know. Um, and also just, you know, Nick Saban is 72 years old, but I thought could still adapt and evolve, as you said, to the uh, to the situations, whatever college football called for in the moment. Dabo's much younger. He's only 54, but I feel like the game has passed him by a little bit. Not the coaching aspect of it, but this transfer stuff, he just hasn't got on board with it. He's been resistant. I don't know if that's going to work in the SEC. So I don't, I don't like this one. 
Moving on. James Franklin, a guy who uh, wins a lot of games every year at Penn State, doesn't win the two biggest games on his schedule against Ohio State and Michigan, but he wins 10-plus games every year. He's been in the SEC. He made Vanderbilt relevant. I'm going to build him about seven statues. Uh, who else could do that? Right. Uh, and replace, uh, uh, replace one of those cr- cranes with the statue of James Franklin. Just a huh? giant <laughs> statue of James Franklin. The sun would just be reflecting off that, that dome of his. <laughs> but uh, so what do you think about James Franklin for Alabama? John, I think he's been a respected coach for a long time. Like I said, he, he doesn't have the, the big victories, but do you think he could get the big victories at Alabama? Love it, like it, or now you don't like it. Boy, that's that of all the names you presented, that's the toughest one for me to decide. I think he's a really good coach. If you take if you take Vanderbilt to multiple bowl games, yeah, I mean, like you said, build a man a statue. That that just doesn't happen. And uh so he's a really good coach. He's won at Penn State. But I guess I don't like it because I think he has kind of a quirky personality. And I don't know how well that would play out at Alabama. But in the fact that he hasn't won the big games, he's done well at Penn State. But what happens every time he runs into Michigan and Ohio State? He loses. It's the same thing. Yeah. And he's played, his team has played well in some bowls and. Uh, through the years so he's got good players but I guess I just don't like it even though I think he's a really good coach and in a lot of jobs for which I would hire him in a heartbeat but not Alabama yeah we're finally finally finding some agreement here John I I don't like this one either I think he's fine for Penn State he was great for Vanderbilt but uh, I agree he has a quirky personality I mean Nick Saban until maybe the last couple of years of his career, you know, wasn't going to be smiles and hugs, but Nick Saban's personality wasn't quirky. He's pretty straightforward guy. Uh, Franklin, I don't know how he'd fit in with that program. Um, and the first time he lost a big game, you'd have the calls of what are we doing with this guy? He can't win the big one. We should have known this, right? Like there's already going to be that baked in when he steps foot on campus. So the first time he loses to LSU or Auburn or something, um, I think there would be an, an outcry. So, no, I think James Franklin needs to stay right where he's at. Don't like it for Alabama. Final two, John, and you could probably guess where these final two are going. Uh, we'll start with uh, Mr. Aflac 2.0. And one Aflac coach retiring, bring in the other one. Prime time, Deion Sanders was on 60 minutes in the early portions of the season. Boy, you think the spotlight couldn't get bigger on on Alabama? Just bring Dion to town. Love it, like it? Nah, don't like it. Uh, that's another tough call. Um, I'd probably say don't like it, though, uh, because Dion, he transcends a program. I mean, it's the Dion show. He's bigger than life kind of guy. Look what he's done in Colorado. But... Alabama's its own show. And and I also think uh I think Dion's a real smart guy. 
I don't think he'd want that Alabama job. I really don't. I think he wants to be at a place where he can he can be Dion and he can he can not only run the show but be the show. Yes, sir. Can't do mm-hmm. can't do that at uh, Alabama. He would certainly recruit well to Alabama. He would continue the recruitment, uh, uh, the really good recruiting that Alabama's accustomed to. But I just think, and, and like I said, even if Alabama wanted Dion, and I think there will be some people that want him because he's that, you know, he's that shiny sports car out there, and you can look at him and say, man, if you give him the talent, you give him this kind of uh, uh, recruiting base, and it, yeah, this yeah, he'll he'll just win all the time. I, I just I, I I just don't think Dion would want this job. I mean, I think he might, if Mike Norvell left, he might, well, he's got kind of cross purposes with Florida State, but maybe that's not a good example. But I think he, I don't think he's afraid of a big time job. But I just think he thought, you know, I, I don't think he'd want the Alabama job. I don't like it either. Um, you're right. I think Dion, Dion is the show. And even, even with Nick Saban winning six national championships at Alabama, Nick was sometimes the show, but not often. Alabama was the show. And also, I mean, Dion's got one year so far of FBS coaching experience. We don't know to the degree that he can do this. I mean, yeah, he made Colorado a lot more relevant than they were before he got there. Um, but then midseason, late in the season, when times got tough, that program unraveled. Dion made a couple of curious moves with his coaching staff in the middle of the season. He'd recruit great. No doubt about it. And I'm not out on Dion as a coach. Uh, I think he's quickly been labeled of, well, he's a recruiter. He's not a coach. Well, I'm not totally out on that. Let's see. He could be a coach, but I want to see a little bit more before I'm handing Dion the keys to Alabama. And again, I just, I don't know about the idea of prime time, um, you know, casting a shadow over Alabama football. Don't know how that's going to go. Last one, John, we're going to find out, are you still the president the treasurer, the secretary, the vice president, the whole cabinet of the Urban Meyer fan club. You were driving the urban train for many moons, almost as much as you were driving the Max Johnson fan club. Train, wow, train, that, that's, a, that's a cheap shot. What a cheap shot. I'm sorry. I waited 50 minutes into the podcast to throw an elbow. <laughs> but uh, Urban, uh, I uh, Look, I mean, we're we're maybe now getting into fantasy land. I had to throw had to throw Urban in there. Couldn't couldn't let this podcast go without throwing him in there and seeing how you'd react. Love it, like it. Nah, you don't like it. Urban getting off uh, getting off the TV set and getting back onto a college sideline in Alabama. What say you? Of course, I love it. I mean, he's a guaranteed winner. He's a of national championship waiting to, waiting to happen. He went. He went unbeaten at Utah. He won a national championship, won two at Florida. He won another one at Ohio State. He wins wherever he goes at the highest level, and he's as driven as Nick Saban is. He He's just relentless. The problem if you hired Urban, I think you'd win a championship, but I think he'd probably die on the field, and you'd have to make another hire because I don't think there's any other coach that puts more pressure on himself than Urban Meyer does. The pressure from being the head coach at Alabama 
he's the one guy that that wouldn't bother because he puts more pressure on him on himself than any than any outside factor would so yeah you know he'd win there you know he'd recruit there and you know he'd be he'd uh he'd be driven uh to win championships not just win games and i tell you what he'd never lose to auburn because if you check his track record he doesn't lose to rivals i mean occasionally it happens but go back and check the ohio state michigan series with urban Marco in the shot so yeah it won't happen but of course i would be in, be in favor of it of course you you love it and I, I had to find another one here we were in too much agreement the last several john so i'm okay. closing with this one because i hate it uh urban meyer great coach other than nick saban probably best coach in the last what 20 years i'll say uh sure. I'd, I'd put urban above you know one rung above dabo but we haven't seen Urban in the NIL era, in the transfer portal era, in the era where the players have more power than they used to. I think that this era and Urban Meyer, I think, would be oil and water. Um, and you mentioned the, the health concerns that Urban's cited in the past, and he's going to take on the the Alabama job in this moment of college football where there's more on coaches than ever. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let you keep driving the uh, the urban bus and, and holding all the cabinet positions of, of that club. Well, admittedly, it's a fantasy, but it's a fantasy bus. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Well, I think one of these names will become a reality. We will stay on top of this thing as it unfolds. Biggest story of the off season uh, by a mile. Nick Saban is done. Six national championships at Alabama. One at LSU. Off to retirement, and one of the bluest blooded programs in the country has a big big vacancy to fill thanks for listening to this edition of sec football unfiltered just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.